hello everyone. This is an amazing day because I have the awesome privilege of meeting with my wonderful friend, Andrea, on Zoom together and to be able to talk through her life journey. And I know that you are in for something that is beyond significant today because Andrea and I met quite a few years ago in Ottawa through our husbands and Andrea moved away to Brampton, but I have followed her on Facebook and have followed along her journey as God has brought her family through quite the time. And I don't wanna take away from it because I think Andrea is just gonna unpack this beautifully. But those of you that are listening, those of you that are watching, I want you right now to open your hearts because this is a message of hope. This is a message to encourage you that no matter where you find yourself today, God is with you. And God gives us just what we need sometimes breath by breath, moment by moment, but we are never abandoned. We are never left alone. But we really wanna dive into the authentic journey of what it looks like to walk through trial. And this is something, Andrea, I have so appreciated about you, following you on Facebook, talking with you. I mean, anyone who talks to you, you're just who you are. You are open, you're honest, you beat right to the punch. You are authentic, you are Andrea, but you also are a woman of great faith. As much as you hold so much in your heart and you're open about the journey and you're open about the struggle of what you and your family have faced, you're open about the victories too and you're open about how God is moving in and through the situation and what he's showing you. And so I don't want to take any more time because I want Andrea to be able to take the time that we have together. And so Andrea, why don't you tell us and everyone who's been watching and listening about yourself, about your faith journey and the journey as well that you have found yourself on with your family. Sure. Um, so I have been married to my husband, Kirk, now for almost 24 years. And we have four kids who are now all young adult ages. They're uh, Lily's 22, Russell's 20, and our twins, Annie and Audrey, are 18 and a half. Um, so Kirk is also, uh, Kirk is a Brampton firefighter, and he also runs his own heating and air conditioning business. Um, well, I've stayed home for this all these 18 years, I guess. And um, yeah, so I'm stay-at-home mom and now caregiver uh, to adult children. And um, so I just want to rewind for a minute back to about 2001, uh, when things sort of started. Um, back when we first moved back to Brampton, we had lived in Ottawa for a few years when we were first married, where Kirk is from. And so uh, I was expecting Russell, our second child. And so we moved there. We were, things were going well. We found a home church. Uh, we were able to buy a home in a nice neighborhood and things were just kind of going along. We were really happy um, in our, you know, new, new place. And um, I also got a job working as a special needs teaching assistant in the local school board. And so here we were with our 17, eight month old daughter and our new baby boy. And life was, you know, busy, uh, of course, with two young children like that. Um, so it was kind of a whirlwind, all of that in, in a few months. Um, but just, uh, just then a year later, we discovered, uh, we were having twins. And so I was really excited about that. <laughs> Kirk was a little more, um, you could say he was shocked, <laughs> dumbstruck a little bit like, Whoa, if you know, Kirk at all, he's kind of laid back. And, um, I won't, uh, I won't say anything bad about him, but he wasn't at my ultrasound. So he didn't see that moment where the ultrasound technician, like, you know, said, oh, you're having twins. Um, so anyway, that's another story. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, 
when they arrived, Lily was three and a half, Russell was two. And so our life was, was wild, right? Like it is with all those young children under four, but you know, you sort of think, well, things will get easier. People would say, this is just a season. This too shall pass. You know, we had help. We had, um, my mom and my family was close by and we even hired some caregiving help at the time. Um, and so, you know, everything just seemed like it'll get easier. That's what people kept saying, right? They're going to grow up. But on uh, a snowy day in January 2004, um, everything changed. Uh, Annie had her first seizure that we had ever seen. Um, and so after a CT scan and, and waiting at SickKids uh, Hospital for a few days, uh, we were kind of ushered into this big hospital boardroom. And there were many doctors and nurses and residents. It was just like a, a long table full of faces. And I just remember them uh, sitting there and we were given Annie's diagnosis and it's called tuberous sclerosis complex. And so we had never heard of that. It was considered, it is considered a rare disease. And so most of what I heard in that meeting, there was a lot of information uh, being given to us. I remember the the one neurologist slid a piece of paper across the, the, pa the table. And you have to remember it's 18 years ago. I wasn't Googling on my smartphone. Um, mm. There might've been a computer lab I could have had access to, but I don't even know if I would have known how to look anything up. So she had printed off some information about what might happen to Annie. And they were going on and on with all this information. And it was really going over my head. But what I did hear in that meeting was that tuber sclerosis complex is a genetic disorder. And so at the end of her information overload, I kind of looked at the doctor and I said, well, you do realize she's an identical twin. And no, they had not realized that. And I literally watched these faces of these professionals kind of draw. And I just knew I was like, this is really bad. <laughs> this is bad news, right? Um, because they are genetically the same because they're identical. And so um, I just uh, I just knew this is this is something terrible, but I didn't know what TSC meant and that's what the short form is for tuber sclerosis. Um, and so a few weeks later, Audrey started having seizures. She had all the tests and she too was diagnosed with TSC. And so, just very briefly, I'll tell you what that is. So tuberous sclerosis complex is like a benign tumor disorder. So your a person's body just doesn't suppress tumor growth uh, the way ours does. We have proteins and all these things in our bodies to stop that and theirs doesn't do that. So basically you have benign tumors that can grow on various organs throughout, throughout the body and cause all these different problems. And so Annie and Audrey have tubers all over their brains. And in the words of the neurologist, way too many to even count. Um, and they also have uh, a few other organs that are affected now, their skin, their kidneys. Uh, Audrey used to have heart tu tumors as well. Um, and so there we were, 29 years old, four kids under four, married less than six years. Um, our life was a whirlwind already as it was, Never mind now having to deal with uh, seizures, uh, developmental delays, possibly autism, anxiety disorder, behavioral uh, communication disorders, all these things and whatever else it meant to have TSC, we really didn't even know at the time. Um, 
so as these things were all unfolding, I, for some reason, I sort of had this thought, I was like, well, I thought I was called to ministry, you know, and you sort of put those things a little on the side when you're first having little kids and, and all of that. And you think, but that's just on pause for a few years or whatever, right? I'm going to get back to doing those things that God's called me to do. Um, but I, I thought, maybe that's now a thing of the past. Maybe that, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I didn't hear God correctly when I went to Bible college. And, um, but pretty early on, I was reassured by the Lord of a few things. And basically he, he let me know in a a few different ways that this life wasn't a surprise to him, um, that he would carry us as we were going to carry this, whatever this was, um, that he would give us light and be our light so we could see our way on this difficult path and that we weren't going to do this on our own. That was one of the main things he let me know and that he still wanted to use me for some purpose that he had in mind. <laughs> so yeah, so it's been, it's been quite the journey. Um, and in that I decided you know, in 2010, I started writing our story and sharing our story, and I just felt the need to go back to school. So in there, I finished my Bachelor of Theology and then my Master's in um, Disability Studies and still not knowing why I was doing it, but um, it was actually very helpful for me to be doing that. And obviously, it set me up for what God had for me uh, later on. So Wow. And that is so profound. Honestly, it is so profound how you even just spoke about that, how all those questions come up when you see your life take this drastic detour change and you think, what do I do with all of this? What do I do with all that, the dreams and the vision and the ministry goals that I had, or what I felt God was calling me to, where does that go? And so I think even as we're going to the next question, I think this would just be so powerful for you to talk about, because even as we spoke about before we opened up together, there's one thing to have faith, to believe God, to do something. We believe God, nothing's impossible for him. It's a beautiful and magnificent, but trying thing to have enduring faith that perseveres and has the patience that no matter what's happening, has got the longevity to continue to sustain us. So how has the word of God and how has God sustained you and continue to encourage you to persevere through all the struggles, all the pain and all of the ups and downs and twists and turns as you're dealing with health, family dynamics, your children, what what your daughters are going through, how has God sustained you? What would you say to someone as they're listening today? Well, there's a bit of a story as to how I got to where I am, um, and but the word of God is really where I turned uh, early on, and that continues to be a lifeline for me now. Um, but 18 years is a really long time, right, to be managing all the things my girls struggle with. Um, just to name a few, they do, I sort of touched on a, a lot of them, but autism, epilepsy, sleep disorder, anxiety disorder, they don't feed themselves, they're not toilet trained, they don't do anything for themselves, they are mobile, um, they do vocalize, but they don't verbalize a whole lot. Um, they require 24-7 care. So. Um, God's word really became my sustenance uh, during a particularly uh, difficult moment, I would say, of desperation. 
So when the girls were about 18 months old, they sort of were showing signs of sleep difficulty. Um, they had been sleeping, you know, as well as babies sleep, you know, you have one, one wakes the other one, whatever, like it was kind of normal toddler and baby life, but this was different and things had kind of changed. And, and I started to realize um, that it wasn't just you know, kids up in the night or whatever. So, so like I said, there was just sort of one struggle after another at this point, right? And sleep disorder was the new thing. Um, and so when they were younger, it was so overwhelming and confusing. Uh, and I was really getting frustrated and exhausted. And to be honest, I was actually pretty angry at God. And so um, I really felt kind of forgotten at times, and I felt like all this praying that was happening with our family, our church family in Ottawa, and our church family here, and friends, and so many Christians who were praying, um, to me at the time, it felt like that was useless. That wasn't really doing much, <laughs> um, which of course now I know it, it, that's not the case. Um, but when crisis hits, it can really feel that way, especially when it, like for us at that time, it had been a year and a half of things, right? So um, this was not what I had expected my life to be, obviously. And at that time, I began to really recognize the heaviness of this and the reality that we were facing. Um, and that this season wasn't ending, nor was it ever going to end. So all of that was kind of compounding and hitting me. And so at that time, I started to reason with God. I started saying things like, God, you know what? I'm okay with this, but like, I need to be rested if I'm going to look after this, if I'm going to do this impossible task. I need to, uh, like, how does, how do you expect me to look after my two typical children if I'm just exhausted and unable to cope? with everything that's going on and with my now two babies who have special needs. Like I just really didn't get it. And I was honest and open with him. And so I remember this one wakeful night <laughs> where um, my girls were up and it was sort of this moment of desperation where I really just stuck my fist up in the air and I yelled and screamed at God. And I said, this is all I can handle. And it really just stopped and I sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit so strongly in that moment, even though I was yelling at God, he was right there and he just kind of surrounded me. And it was like, I just started to receive the truth of God's word right there in that moment. And basically God stepped in metaphorically took me by the hand and he led me to his word. And so he reminded me thing, of things right away that he's a God who keeps his word, that he loves me, that he loves my family, that my girls were not a mistake, um, <laughs> but they're created in the image of God. And he just reminded me of those truths <laughs> in his word. And so he also reminded me, I don't want to see you fail. And I still have a purpose for you. <laughs> and so there was still this calling on my life, right? And so getting back to your question, how does God's word sustain me? Well, way back then in that moment of frustration, um, those reminders from God really came through scripture that I had memorized really years ago. And the first one was Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, 
plans to give you hope and a future. And that's where I started. But then I picked it up and I kept reading and I read verse 12 and it says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. So Rhonda, I have to tell you that God even spoke to me through Annie and Audrey's obsessive compulsive behaviors. So OCD isn't a term that we use flippantly because it's really our reality. Um, so when Annie and Audrey were little, a friend of mine introduced us to Hillsong Kids. And so she had given us a DVD and my girls uh, would want that DVD on all the time, sometimes all night long, <laughs> over and over and over again. And back then it was only one DVD. Um, and for those who aren't familiar with Hillsong Kids, it's um, basically worship DVDs where they sing and they move around and they um preach and there's scripture that's read all throughout those DVDs. And so there's things that were coming into my mind, even though I wasn't opening up my Bible in the 4am moments necessarily. Um, it was as if God was using something that most people would consider irritating or something to be fixed or changed. And he was using it to pour the truth of his word, like into my heart, into my mind, into my soul. And so it was like, um, because it was like God was encouraging me, he was strengthening me, and he was also giving me dreams about and vision about the future as well. And so the word of God is life-giving, and we don't use that flippantly, right? It's, it's living and it's active. And so um, even though I'm still um, in my life of ambiguity and perplexity and you know we I don't know what's going to happen day by day um no miraculous healing has really happened for my girls the way we hope and pray and still pray for um I really am stronger now and I'm closer to Jesus maybe because I have to be <laughs> but I do believe it's because of the word of God. And because when I don't know what I, what decision to make, because a lot of times the doctors will ask me what's going on and okay, well, let's try this. And they rely a lot on what we see as patterns of behavior or of seizures or whatever. Um, and then we make the best decision. And so I'm constantly going to the Lord and praying and I'm in his word, but I'm like, God, I need an answer like by Monday for whatever it is, you know, or by tonight, because we have to decide if we're trying this or trying that or so, um, it's, uh, yeah, that's kind of the way, um, the way God has still been carrying us and the way he sustained me through his word. Wow. And he is Andrea. Wow. Like I am so inspired. I mean, I'm bawling. You're, you're talking, I'm just bawling. Honestly, what you've just shared is you can't just, you can't just take this from someone you have literally received this revelation and you have an intimate walk with God, you can't fake that in these crises. This is what I think what happens when crisis comes, it really does. You dig in or you felt like this is it like you and in our brokenness, I'm not talking about being strong. Like somehow we have to muster something up strength yeah. is found in dependency on God. It's not found in something that we have to be it's who is in us. And you have just articulated that 
so brilliantly. Like I am, this is why every one of you listen. Now, you know why I'm like, wait till you hear Andrea, because this is honestly what I've been following you along. And even when Jay was going through cancer and I was just, I remember some of the posts that you had written. I remember some of the things that you had said, and it's, you didn't even know that. And how many you've inspired without even maybe knowing that they may have watched or heard you talk and they listen like, wow, that's amazing. When we face a crisis and we all have different crises, different hardships, it's not a matter of when it's what it's not a matter of if it will, it will happen different measures, different ways. Those words will come back because we look, we think who has gone through something and is still enduring in faith. And Andrea, you are such a woman of inspiration to me. And I mean, I have the deepest respect for you and your family. And I think the beautiful thing is, as you were talking about your church family, you're talking about people praying, what would you say to someone who is going through a really hard time right now? They're in the midst of a crisis. I mean, that desperation moment. I love how you talk so authentically. God is so awesome. He knows anyways, what's in our hearts that you had your fist up and you're like, God, like, this is it. This is all I can do. If someone's at that moment, they're in a crisis. What would you say as boots on the ground encouragement? You've talked about the word of God, even with community, what's the best way that the community even can come around to support. What did you need or continue to need in your journey? Can you talk to us as a church family and as a community? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing is it's okay to cry. It's okay to yell. It's okay to um, let God know how you really feel about the situation and um, to complain a little bit even. And just like, because ultimately God just wants us to keep communicating, right? He wants us to keep coming to him. Um, and to really ask him, I need wisdom in this situation. I need your strength. I need faith. Um, and just to realize that you really can't, we can't just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps on our own, like you said, um, which is why we need the help of the church and the community of believers, right? So um, it's hard for people to ask for that help all the time. Um it's often because sometimes people have asked for help and unfortunately have been ignored or because there's a stigma that can come with being perceived as someone who's needy or um, difficult or if the situation goes on long like mine it's not just a moment of crisis or tragedy and I'm not minimizing moments of crisis and tragedy I don't mean that at all I just mean when it's ongoing we can sort of become like, we feel like maybe I'm a broken record. Maybe I, I shouldn't ask for prayer for this again. <laughs> um, you know, and I've been really reassured by even like my zoom small group of women who I meet with now. Um, they're so lovely. And so like, no, Andrea, we want to know, we want to just keep asking us and we'll keep praying. And so you have to, you want that reassurance that you're not going to be annoying people, <laughs> um, especially when it's 18 years, right? You don't want to be the person that people walk the other way from. Um, and maybe that's my own paranoia. I don't know, but I think um, sometimes that's how people can feel. Um, so I would encourage people who are in crisis, even um, maybe if it's a more of an ongoing, maybe when you have a, a leveling out time, because obviously if you're in active crisis, it's difficult to do anything <laughs> but survive. Um, to do something. And so something I would say, basically turn off the extra noise, um, whatever that is for you, maybe turn on some good noise, some worship music, something, um, or just nothing, just quiet. Um, 
and to pay attention to what it is they really need in that day or that moment. Um, if there's someone else around them who has a need, because there always are, um, to, to even sometimes just serve them, encourage them, look for a way you can, can do something or say something to somebody else, even if you're just in the grocery line and that somebody yelled at the cashier, you can be the next person to, to give her a, a little pick me up after that because they're getting it all the time. And so I feel, I heard it said one time, like no matter how much you pour out, how empty you feel, you're always going to have more to pour out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so to, to do that is, um, it can be small. It can just be, um, whatever. Um, or maybe you need to take a walk. Maybe you need to just get outside and walk. I walk all the time, winter, summer. I have everything you need to wear for the, I'm like, what's the temperature? Okay. This is what I have to wear. And so for me, that's very, very life-giving. Um, maybe you have to take a nap. Are there days where I'm just like, okay, guys, dinner's under control. I'm going to go lay down for half an hour. And thankfully Annie loves to take a nap and she loves to have a snuggle buddy. So I'm like, Annie needs to nap. We got to go. Um, or just like get dressed nicer, get out of your pajamas. Don't lounge around all day. That for me is what I have to do, or I would never be out of pajamas because I'm usually at home. Um, but on a more, um, spiritual level, I would say I do a variety of things. I listen to an audio Bible sometimes. Some days I read the scripture, you know, paper, I put post-it notes, I read one, then look at the cross-reference, and then I go there, and I may do a Bible study, study, um, do a devotional of the day kind of thing. Um, I love to listen to sermons and to worship music and just uh, to biblical, you know, podcast things that are gonna like fill me and teach me things and help me see things about myself because not everything not, you know I'm not perfect in this I'm not doing everything right there's moments where I'm like okay God what how, what part have I played in this whatever broken relationship or sort of thing so um I have to be creative and not every day is going to look the same. Mm -hmm. I know there's value in getting up and having the first thing you do be read your Bible. And, and I actually am a morning person and I love that routine, but there are many, many days where my first thing I have to do is change a diaper and all of a sudden serve somebody and do this, that, that, but in my mind, I'm like, okay, but when she's settled, I'm going to sit on the couch and do my time with the Lord, right? Whether someone is up or not, it doesn't really matter. I don't always get to be alone. Um, but yeah, it's just like other times I need to clean my room. I need to clean out a drawer. I need to be prepared for when the next hard thing comes, right? And I know it's not going to be as terrible. And that's for me, that's helpful. Um, if the lunch was made is made for the next day or whatever, just being a little bit prepared. Um, so remaining in Christ is the key for me is always sort of focusing on, okay, I, I just, I, I need an answer. I need to spend time with him. I need to just hear from the Lord. Um, and so figuring out where that is, um, doesn't have to look the same all the time. Um, and so really sometimes, like you said, it's a survival thing moment by moment. It's like, okay. Um, and thankfully it's not, um, it's not something I have to figure out on my own because Jesus is, is enough and he always gives me enough and he's always with me. So 
Yeah. So that's what I would say. There's a few things we can do even when we feel we can't do anything. Andrea, I love that so much. And I even love how you were just talking about remaining in Christ and how, if I'm circling back, like all of those things that you talked about, like how, you know, God, things move and things change, but it's like remaining and abiding with him. It's not this structure. Like it has to look like in this box. It's like, God, you're with me. You're with me. When I'm doing my walk, you're with me when I'm changing a diaper, you're with me, like you're talking about, you're with me when I'm, you know, at the doctor's office where I'm getting that diagnosis or when things are good and I'm celebrating, you're with me in every single thing, every single moment, every single time I have what I need because I have you. And I, I love that anchoring truth because it is something it's impossible for us to do on our own. Impossible. Even for you to talk as you are, Andrea, it is a miracle to have this type of faith and this type of hope in God. And I just want to circle back to something because I think this is really beautiful. As you talked about when you received, you know, the diagnosis of your daughters and you were thinking, God, I, th- I thought I wanted to go into ministry. I thought you had these plans for me and where is all this- what's going to happen. I would love you to talk about how through the situation, God has actually developed the most beautiful passion in you through your personal situation and circumstances with your daughter as a family, can you share a little bit about that purpose that God has birthed in and through this time? Yeah, sure. Um, so like I said, although this miraculous healing hasn't happened, um, in the way that we hoped and prayed it would, um, I can say that I've experienced joy even in my circumstances. So, um, I will also say that I've experienced deep grief over the loss of dreams and sort of just what I thought our family life was going to look like. Um, but our family, uh, I will get to your question when, in, a, in a roundabout way. Um, For sure. Basically, our family has also known the pain of rejection by a church one time where we were asked to leave a service. And so we thought we belonged there. Um, but as Annie and Audrey were moving around and they were about 11 at the time and uh, it was, you know, some people in the service were finding it a bit disruptive and they let me know that. And so it was probably one of the most um, painful things I've ever gone through as a parent and uh, very eye-opening and also uh, really kind of helped me focus on the fact that yes, I had already had in mind that disability ministry and educating church leaders was something I wanted to, to do and pursue. And I was sort of questioning God, do, is that really something people need? And so in that experience, it kind of let me kind of confirm to me that, yes, obviously people do need this, uh, this knowledge and this education. Um, and so I was also at that time tempted really to run from the church because like you said, we're either going to press in or we're going to run away. And so that was very fleeting. I will say that in that moment, God was very close to me and just said, it's okay. This is just something I wanted you to feel the sting of rejection. Like so many uh, families affected by disability feel um, mm-hmm. unfortunately in the church because uh, the church has become some churches, uh, places where people think they have to have it all together, or if their child is a little bit, or their adult child is too noisy or moves around, then somebody can't worship properly or whatever the way they want. Um, it's just, um, I also then kind of knew, well, I realized that to reject the church is to reject God and to reject Jesus. And, and he's the one who imp- 
instituted the church. So, so that wasn't the answer, right? So, um, even though Annie and Audrey are 18 years old, intellectually, they are still like toddlers. So I also realized they also need a relationship with Jesus. And so do all people, no matter what their abilities or their disabilities are. And so along the way, I was really wrestling with that Jeremiah 29, 11 verse, like I already said. Um, but I started asking God these tough questions. I was saying, you know, well, what, what, um, what hope do people with severe intellectual disabilities have? Um, is, do they have a purpose? Do you have a purpose for them? Um, is this verse meant for them the way we all think it's meant for us? Um, for my girls who can't cognitively understand salvation or the concepts, is this meant for them? Do they really need to go to church is kind of what I was wondering. Um, and really what I've learned is all people are created in God's image. All people are valuable, no matter their abilities or disabilities, um, and they shouldn't ever be viewed as a difficulty to be handled or fixed, um, but instead as value added to the body of Christ. And so everyone should have a place of belonging there. Um, my passion really to help church leaders um, become equipped for ministering with families affected by disabilities and individuals rather than just to them has really come um, from the idea laid out by Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, 18 to 26. And if you don't mind, I'm going to read all those. I'd verses. love for you to read it. I'd love it. And it says this, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So <laughs> that is where um, my passion came from. Uh, God really gave me this vision that um, when I went to Bible college way back in the 90s, and then again in 2014, 2015, to finish my Bachelor of Theology, I didn't have this education and training in how to uh, minister with families affected by disability. And so it's been my sneaking suspicion that a lot of pastors now don't have this training either. And so that's what I get to do. I get to uh, do training workshops. I get to speak at churches, share my story, kind of soften hearts of, of people listening and just help them understand and see a different perspective really. Um, because not everybody has had this lived experience. I understand that. And very early on when we had that moment of rejection, um, I, I knew right away that I, I was more saddened than I was mad about, you know, I wanted to protect my children, of course, but I was really sad. I thought, wow, some people really have no idea 
what it takes for us to even be part of the church or get to church, <laughs> um, because a lot of times we don't get there and it's not because we don't want to be there. It's because we got all ready and then somebody didn't want to get in the car, mm-hmm. you know, or it's just too much anxiety that morning, or it's just three hours that didn't happen for us. And, and so really the online platform has helped a lot of families have access to any sort of church body. So, um, so yeah, and my passion is also to encourage special needs parents. And I get to do um, a retreat once in a while for special needs parents for a church down in the States. And um, yeah, just seeing where God is leading me and, and leading this whole uh, ministry really that I went to school for and there wasn't really a job for yet. So, wow, Andrea, honestly, so profound. And I think even as you're talking about this passion, that scripture, even hearing you say that fresh today was literally like, aha for me, like even you going through the filter of your experience and me seeing it in a much greater diverse way. Thank you for sharing that word. That scripture is so profound about the body of Christ and how critical and significant every single member is. And I would love for you, just as we're coming to a close here, just to talk a little about into our lives as a church, as we see those that are coming through that our church, each one that's listening, because, you know, those are listening, whether it be through HeartStrong or podcast or just catching this video, come from all different churches, all different backgrounds. What would you say that would help each person step in to make sure that the church is to become a church for all people. How can we really support families and support our church at large for all people? What would you say to that as you're closing? I would just say, look around your own congregation first. Um, look around your own neighborhood, your own um, body of believers, if, if that's where you're going to start, because there are people for sure in your in your congregation who have disabilities maybe some of them are invisible but there are families if they have children with disabilities um they are feeling isolated like well before covid we understood what it was to you know be on our you know kind of feel isolated or um and just just come alongside people first of all, and it doesn't mean you have to start a big disability ministry or do something fancy or, um, but really just kind of see how they're doing, ask them how they're doing and, and start to just be invested in their lives. And if there is a tangible way you can help them, no family with disabilities is ever going to say probably no to you praying for them or coming over and saying, Hey, can I just pick up a prescription for you? Or is there something we can do? Um, don't always say like, you know how it is when people are, are going through uh, a death, maybe a funeral is happening and you're like, what can I do? No, you just bring them a meal, <laughs> right? So you just, good. so you, true. Or just do it. Yeah. Just do something. So anything that helps them not feel invisible, uh, whatever it is, sending a text, sending a message, dropping off a, a coffee card or something, you know, a gift card or whatever it is, something is better than nothing. So that's where I would say start small. Oh, I love that. Andrea, thank you so much for sharing today. Like, honestly, I am going to be walking away from this conversation and really thinking through so many things that you just spoke about the way you spoke about it, the depth that you've spoken about it, the way you walk this out. This is not just a story. This is your life. This is your lifeline with God. And I'm going to be 
really thinking many things that you thought through and on Sunday, like just that fresh eyes. And I, I love that. I love how it is about seeing the body of Christ with dignity and honor every single member, every single person, we all have a significant place in the body of Christ. And, uh, I, I really want to say thank you so much. It's been really humbling. It's been really humbling to talk to you today. And I would love for you to pray over us. I would love for you to pray, just pray, whatever comes to your heart whether it be you feel it's praying over someone specific that's going through something or just praying over the church in general, whatever you feel to pray, we just want to receive a blessing from you and receive the prayer from you. And uh, that would be a real honor for us. So. Heavenly father, I just thank you for this time that we've had together to uh, share and, and hear from you and hear from your word. And God, I thank you for your word. And I just thank you how it, it sustains us even when we feel like we're just barely hanging on. And so God, I just want to pray over whoever it is that's listening today, whoever it is that's watching God, if they're feeling forgotten or feeling like the prayers are just not getting through or making a difference, God, would you just show them that, um, that is not true. That is not the truth. And that, even when they feel alone, that you are there with them. And so God, I pray for a breakthrough and I pray for uh, this church and that things would um, really begin to change in the hearts of people who are sitting there and who are not, who are not understanding or who don't live this as their life. It's understandable that they wouldn't understand, but God, I pray that your Holy spirit would just move and just, um, open eyes to see where there might be needs and where things can, um, can really also build relationships through what seemingly are just difficulties. And so I just pray that hearts would be strengthened today, that relationship with you would be made more intimate and um, that you would just go with each one, whatever they're facing, and that they would just know that they are so loved and that they are not alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Andrea. And we speak a blessing on you and your family. And I'm sending you tons of hugs through the through this <laughs> Zoom call to every one of your family. But thank you for sharing today and taking this time. We really appreciate it. So blessings on you and your family. And we just take all of these words right into our heart. May God change us and transform us from the inside out to make them more like him and that we would see things through his eyes. So thank you for helping us today. I loved it. It was awesome. All right. God bless you, Andrea. Thank you so much.